Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. It's no secret that healthcare costs continue to rise and they're only going to go higher. If you pay your health insurance now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But picking the right health insurance plan for you matters greatly, not only for your health, but also for your bank account. 
with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. We've all spent more time with family lately. It can feel like old times, but your mind is on the future too, and what you can do to shape it. At Sandy Spring Bank, we work with clients to help them grow and protect their money with wealth management, trust services, and insurance, so they can enjoy today and ultimately pass along their wealth. We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your dreams. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash wealth. Wealth and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not guaranteed, and may lose value. It's May, and while it may not be the time for open enrollment yet, it'll be here before you know it because it's already May. It was like January, and now it's May, so it's going to be open enrollment so soon. And I won't name names here, but I talk to a lot of people who have no clue what health insurance plan they have, what their deductible is, how much it could cost them if there was a major illness or injury. If that's you, it's totally cool, but it's time that you know what you've got. It's just a smart money move. And there's a difference between what plan you choose when open enrollment rolls around. So on this episode, I had a chat with Kim Bucky, VP of Client Services at DirectPath, to find out how much cash you could be saving or wasting based on what health insurance plan you've got. Kim, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're talking about a topic I think that is really interesting for a lot of people. Healthcare, it's something that, of course, we all we all need. For some of us, it's a pain in the butt because we have to pay expensive premium every month. But I think largely it's sort of a misunderstood territory. So I'd love to start out with just a high-level question. Why does it matter what healthcare plan we choose? Uh, well, it matters quite a bit. So um, there was a study done recently that said that over 90% of employees just keep the same plan that they have year wow. after year. They don't even they don't even look at what the options are that their employer is offering them. 80% spend less than an hour looking at what their options are. And there was another study that I just loved that said that people would basically rather do their taxes or clean their toilets than look at benefits <laughs> information at enrollment time. <laughs> that is saying something. Which just, yeah, which just speaks to, to the level of misinformation there is out there about benefits and health care and how confusing it is. And of course, you know, if, if we don't understand something and if we're confused by it, most people's immediate reaction is, yeah, never mind. I'll just, yeah, I'm not going to deal with it, right? Head in the sand. For sure. One of the reasons that's so important is that if we just keep rolling over whatever we have from year to year, we may really be missing an opportunity um, to get the coverage that's best for us. And we may be, frankly, paying more than we need to for coverage. We may be paying for more coverage than we need or we may be underinsured in that you know we're we've bought a plan that doesn't really cover all the um, services that we might need. So it certainly is, is in everybody's best interest to at least take a look at what the options are out there. 
Yeah, for sure. And I think you talked about something. I know a lot of my friends uh, contact me all the time and they're sort of up in arms about healthcare and the cost of their plans where maybe previously their company or their employer covered 100% of the healthcare plan and now they're mm-hmm. not. You know, why are we seeing this trend happening where a lot of companies now are passing that sort of responsibility onto the employees to cover the healthcare costs? Sure, and that's been happening over the past you know, 10, 15 years or so, and it hasn't shown any signs of letting up. And part of the problem is that healthcare is expensive, right? So yeah. as we develop new technologies and, and new prescription drugs, and you know we've all been seeing in the news what's going on with prescription drug prices, you know it just costs more, um, you know, for healthcare. As we get older. Um, you know, people are living longer, so they're making use of the healthcare system for longer. Now, employers obviously want to continue providing health coverage to their employees. They realize it's, it's something that we all value as employees. Um, but, you know, premiums continue to go up. The cost of care keeps going up. It's been going up somewhere between 5 and 7% a year for the past decade. And But employers realize that they can't continue to foot that entire bill. You know, there's a limited budget that they have that's allocated for um, compensation and benefits. So something has to go budge somewhere, right? Wow. So what, em- what employers started to do was, as you said, start shifting the cost over to employees. In some cases, that meant they might charge higher premiums. In some cases, you know, we saw deductibles start going up um, or the coinsurance, the share that the plan would pay might decrease, say, from an 80 percent. You know, we'll pay 80 percent. Now it's only paying 70 percent. Right. So, you know, employers have had to make some tough decisions about how to balance, you know, their desire to provide this valuable benefit to their employees while still you know, fitting within their budget parameters. What we are seeing, um, we do a sort of trends report every year. The past year or two, we are starting to see that employers are kind of backing away from that. Um, they're not continuing to increase the employee's share of the cost. They're either maintaining their share and they're just trying to find other ways um, to offset that cost while still providing that great benefit. So hopefully, It'll even out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully, yes. So how can we figure out if if we're actually wasting money due to our healthcare plan choice? Is there any way to to figure out or to evaluate like what might be the best plan or what are the plans where we're maybe we're spending too much on and maybe we don't even need that plan? Sure. Well, it's it's going to require doing a little bit of research, which, of course, nobody really (laughs) wants to do because they don't understand this topic. But if you sit down, and most employers will provide some um, information at enrollment times, usually a benefits guide that describes, you know, all the options available. Some employers will um, provide, like, modeling tools, um, you know, online tools where you can play around uh, put in estimates, uh, estimates, estimates of your healthcare costs over the year, and then you can do a little modeling to see, well, you know what, what plan makes the most sense for me. Right. Other employers will offer actually one-on-one support. They'll have somebody where you can sit down, either in person or over the phone, and and they'll talk you through what your options are. 
But, you know, so first of all, take a look and, and see what resources your employer is offering in that area. Second of all, you need to take a look at what your situation is. So what might have made sense for you when you were a relative new hire, say, in your you know early to mid-20s, yeah, now that you're in your 30s or late 20s and you may be starting a family, that might not be the plan that really makes sense for you anymore, right? And as you get older, unfortunately, as we all get older, um, you know, even in our 30s, we start to have things go wrong with us and we might need to see the doctor more or take some medications. So those are all, you know, situations that could affect what plan makes the most sense for you. Just as a, a you know, personal anecdote, we had um, for many years a high deductible plan with our company and I used that and made use of the uh, health savings account that went with it and absolutely loved it. And then we merged with another company and we got a new high deductible plan and they happened to cover prescription drugs a little bit differently. When I did the comparison, my husband is diabetic. He's on several medications, as you can imagine. When I started doing the math and comparing what I'd have to pay out of pocket under this new high deductible plan versus the old high deductible plan, I would have lost thousands of dollars a year. So I went and you know signed up for the PPO. So all of which is to say, just because a plan is the least expensive in terms of the premium, you know, what's coming out of your paycheck every, um, you know, two weeks or every month to cover your health care doesn't mean it's actually the cheapest plan for you. You have to look at how it covers the services that you might want to make use of. And even when you say, I mean, you alluded to this, but wouldn't you even say like thinking about what's coming up the next year? I know you can't foresee if you're going to be in the hospital or anything like that, but you can right. have a pretty good idea of like how many times you're going to the doctor or if something, maybe some new illness has, you know, uh, risen in you that like, okay, this is requiring more attention or even like thinking, okay, next year, maybe I want to try to get pregnant or something like that, that might exactly. alter what plan you're on that, you know, spending that time thinking about that is definitely worth, worth the time doing so, right? Absolutely. And if you're going to have a baby, you know that the next year, there's going to be lots of visits to the doctor for, you know, routine checkups. Now, many of those will be considered preventive and you wouldn't have to pay for them. But if your baby gets sick, you know, and you have, if you're currently under a high deductible plan, because that's the cheapest option, you're going to have to be paying towards that high deductible. And you may decide, yeah, maybe I want something that provides me a little more coverage up front rather than having to, you know, shell out all that money over the course of the year. Yeah. And I've, I've talked about this on some episodes before, but I'd love for maybe you to just touch on it a little bit. I think there's a lot of confusion when you're looking at health plans. Like, how do I figure out, you know, there's the deductible, there's the copay, there's, you know, all of these different kind of like, uh, you know, levers in each plan. And, and how would uh-huh. I look at those different plans and know, okay, like, what are the things I really should be paying attention to? Right. And you raise a really good point. Sort of scary statistic that I came across recently is only 7% of Americans can actually correctly define premium, deductible, coinsurance, 
an out-of-pocket maximum. Oh my gosh. And, you know, I know. And as, as you said, those are pretty key elements that, you know, you need to look at as you're trying to figure out what plan makes the most sense for you. So perhaps first order of business is making sure you understand what those things are and how they affect what you're going to have to pay on an out-of-pocket basis. Um, you know, second, as I mentioned earlier, you need to sort of take a look at um, what you're paying now. So maybe you get out, you know, last year's confirmation form or, you know, talk to HR or look at your materials for this year and see, okay, what what am I paying right now um, out of my paycheck for health care? Right. And, you know, make, make sure you write that down. So that's your premium. Then you need to look at what your deductible is. Now, realizing that for most things, you know, deductible is what you're going to have to pay out of your pocket before the plan starts to um, pay benefits. For some services, you may only have to pay a copay. So if you go to the doctor, it's, you know, $10 a, a visit. Well, so you need to think, well, okay, I only go to the doctor once a year for my annual checkup. That's preventive care. It's really not going to cost me anything. But, oh, I have a new baby. Um a lot of that, as we mentioned earlier, will be considered preventive care. But if my baby gets sick, well, maybe I need to factor in maybe four or five visits to um, urgent care. Sure. Um, you know, do a little research, figure out what a visit to urgent care is going to, to cost you under your plan. Start looking again at what medications you might take and what you're paying for those out of pocket. So you need to sort of add up what you think your expenses are going to be. And that, that will, you know, help you plug in some numbers later on. I mean, typically um, for someone who is very healthy and doesn't expect to be getting sick during the course of the year, um, maybe a high deductible plan would make sense because your routine visit um, to the doctor, as we mentioned, would be considered at a, uh, covered at 100% because it's preventive care. And it and it provides you sort of that catastrophic coverage. If so, if something really does go wrong, you do have you know coverage. You may have to pay the deductible, but you'll still have the good coverage. If you're going to the doctor a lot, or you're on a lot of medications, or you're covering a lot of family members, it may not be the best choice for you. You know, if, if assuming there are other options provided by your doctor, yes. uh, your doctor, your employer. What you know, the, there are tools that you can look at. Um, employers are required to um, provide you with something called a summary of benefits and coverage, which is eight pages, kind of covers the really key points of each plan. It'll tell you what the deductible is, the coinsurance, copayments, what's covered, what isn't covered. So if you're looking at a couple of different options side by side, it's really useful to be able to, you know, line these up and say, hmm, okay, this one covers at 80%, this one covers at 70%, but, oh, when I look at the premium, this one is much more expensive. So as I said earlier, it's going to require sitting down and doing a little bit of research and a little bit of math, but it can really pay off in the end. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? 
I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Imagine unlocking a version of yourself that's unstoppable, where mental barriers no longer hold you back. 
Listen to Mentally Stronger with me, Amy Morin, therapist and international bestselling author, here to guide you on a journey to reaching your greatest potential. Every Monday, I bring you into conversations with some of the most fascinating minds, experts, authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and musicians. They don't just share stories. They reveal the mental strategies that propelled them to the top. But here's the real magic. At the end of each episode, I break down their wisdom into practical therapist-approved advice. In my solo episodes, I dive deep into the techniques that build mental strength. It's like having your own personal therapy session as you discover how to turn these insights into steps you can take right now. This podcast isn't just for those facing mental health challenges. It's for anyone who wants to push their limits, achieve peak performance, and truly thrive. Are you ready to unlock your full potential? Then it's time to become mentally stronger. Subscribe to Mentally Stronger with therapist Amy Morin, available wherever you love to listen to podcasts. We'll jump back into our episode with Kim after an Ask Shauna from Alex. And Alex says, hi, Shauna. Nice to meet you. So my dad says I should be buying a home. That is my next step to take. But honestly, I'm kind of happy still renting. I sort of feel like this is one of those own my shit moments when I should be able to say to my dad that I've weighed my options and I'm making a good decision. But of course, I want to make sure I'm certain. Any advice or thoughts or wisdom for me? Thanks so much for rocking a good podcast where I actually like hearing about money. Alex, this is a great question and I totally get the dad thing. I think we all, to some extent, totally get the dad thing. I think parents just, of course, they want us to do better than them. They want us to be financially secure. And certainly that father-daughter relationship, they really want to make sure that you're making wise decisions. And I think part of the process of growing up is that we're not always going to make wise decisions. And I think that's actually something really cool to own. And I think that goes with the whole thing of we don't have to do money perfectly and there isn't always an exact right decision to make. So I just want you to own that A, but this is such a great question because I have a, I'm not going to say radical stance on buying a home, but I have a pretty strong stance opinion on buying a home. And this comes from buying a home when I was 24 and probably shouldn't have purchased a home at 24. Now it ended up okay, but there were definitely some tough moments there where finances got a little too close for comfort for me. So I just like to tell everyone that Buying a home isn't for everyone. It's not the ultimate money goal. And it, it doesn't mean that you've done things right or wrong. I think we grow up thinking that this is the American dream to buy your house and you haven't, quote unquote, arrived until you've bought a house. And I just think that is BS because there are plenty of people who buy who shouldn't have bought and are essentially house poor, which just means you've put all your assets into a home. You don't have an old crap fund left for emergencies, let alone maintenance, taxes, insurance, all the other stuff that you got to pay on your house. So if buying a house means that you have to take every penny that you have in savings and drop it into the house, 
with no money left for you for emergencies, no money left for you to upkeep the house or any of the other stuff that just comes up in life, then it's probably not a good decision to buy a house right now. And I see so many people just say, well, but I worked, I worked, I worked for a couple of years and I saved and I saved and I've got this next nest egg and I'm just going to throw it into this house. That makes me so incredibly nervous. So as we saw in the 2008 housing debacle, houses aren't always a quote unquote safe investment that quote unquote always grow in value. You must know this. A, a house is not a particularly liquid asset, meaning that just because you buy your house doesn't mean you could then turn around tomorrow and sell it for the price that you need to, right? It's not liquid. Yes, it can grow in value. Yes, it could be a great investment, but that's not always the case. And that's not the only reason that you should purchase a house. So I think renting is super cool. And I really dismiss people who say that you're just throwing away money because I think if you think about renting like this, it's the ability to pick up and move. You can move to better jobs. You can move to be with a significant other. You can move to change your life. You can move to a lower cost area. That's valuable, especially when you're young and you're figuring out life. I'm a huge fan of renting, and I think that it serves a purpose in so many of our lives. Can you argue that, yes, there are some cities where renting is so expensive? Absolutely. But on the flip side of that, how much money would I have to put into a house if I bought a house in that area? Like, for instance, I live in Los Angeles. You got to have at least about 50 to 100K, somewhere in that range, to drop into a house. That's a lot of money, particularly if that is all the money you have. So I'm just saying that renting has a time and place because it's it's flexibility. It's the ability to move. It's the ability to uproot and change your life if that's what you need to do. Buying is great if you can buy something that is somewhat equivalent to your rent and you know you're going to stay put for at least three to five years. And you're also financially secure, meaning that if you drop that deposit money into the house, you have other cash, you have other money you can draw upon if those emergencies come up. So let's examine this. I think we're all somewhere on a spectrum between secure with our money versus scared with our money. And you know what I'm talking about, because if you had anything come up in life that is tricky, you've probably moved over to the scared (laughs) part of the spectrum. I have definitely been in the scared spectrum many, many different points in my life. So we all sort of oscillate on on this spectrum. And my question to you is, where are you on that spectrum? Would buying a house move you on one end or the other end of that spectrum? And I say this because there's such a mental piece in all of this. If you're someone who likes the flexibility and it makes sense to rent, then that's good enough reason not to buy. Now, I think that's the argument to your dad is like, dad, if if I'm renting and I lose my job and I need to pick up and move to another city to get a better job, right now I can do that. If I had bought a place, I might not have that flexibility. Do you see that? Do you see that argument? It's not going to make sense everywhere. There are certain places across the U.S. where it probably makes more sense to buy, but there are a lot of 
big metro areas where a lot of us are living that it takes it it takes a moment for you to pause and think about it and again i think that's a good reason because life can change you could decide tomorrow to change your mind and that's cool if you wake up tomorrow and you're like you know what nope i'm going to live in this city for at least 5 years i'm putting down roots i'm getting married i'm having a baby I'm starting a business in this city, then awesome. Go for it. Just make sure that you're on this secure part of that spectrum, that you've got some other cash you can access for the all sorts of things that come up in life. So I just want you to do it if you want to do it. And I want you to feel empowered and I don't want you to feel scared, but I also want you to feel like you can own your decision that renting is cool, at least for right now. Right. So that summary of benefits is definitely something we should at least take a glance over rather than I think a a lot of people just pick the plan based off of like, okay, which is the cheapest? Okay, I'm going to take that plan. And then when something comes up during the year, they have, you know, there's that like freak out moment where it's like, what? I owe what? Yeah, right. My deductible is five thousand dollars. What? How did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. There's, there's. It's so funny because I've, I've had a few friends who have come to me just with like sheer panic looks on their face, and I'm like, well, the, mm-hmm. technically, yes. If you were in the hospital and something catastrophic happened, th- this is how much you'd pay. And it's just, you know, they're like, that just can't be possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can be. Unfortunately. Yeah, and you raise a really good point about, you know, that it can't possibly cost that much. Most of us don't have any clue what healthcare costs, right? We always just say, oh, insurance is going to cover it, and you might get a bill for the copay or, you know, some, some small percentage um, of the actual cost. We have no idea what it costs to go, um, what the actual cost of a prescription is or what it might cost to get an MRI. And when you start to do a little bit of research on that, it's absolutely astounding, <laughs> A, what it costs, and B, the fact that there is, there is no set price for those things. For any healthcare service, it doesn't matter, you know, within the same city, within your plan, um, your network for your plan, the costs for any given uh, service or um, you know medication or supply can vary by hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. And that's such a good point because um, I, I shared on this podcast. But in October, I had a, a weird freak thing happened where um, I suddenly became deaf in my left ear. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a um, long story on that one. But um, so I have been to many different specialists and um, had to have lots of different audiologist tests and things. And the they're all within my, my network, but the price for each of the different uh, services at the different facilities just varied all, kind of all over the map. And it it really is, I think, shocking to a lot of people because you think, well, if I go to this doctor, why isn't the same price if I go to this doctor? But mo- many plans now, right, have some sort of option where you can go in and whether it's online or whether you can call in and you can actually price out like what it would be to have these different services at different doctors. Absolutely. So a lot of people may have um, you know, heard or, or read recently this big push now that the um, administration is requiring hospitals to you know, post their um, 
sort of retail pricing um, right. for hospital procedures on their websites. Well, that's a step in the right direction, but it's not super helpful because a lot of times they're just posting these lists of codes that nobody can make heads or tails out of. <laughs> so, you know, to your point, it's absolutely in your best interest to um, take a look at your insurance company's website because many of them do have cost estimators. So, estimators, so you can put in your zip code and what the procedure is, and it'll give you at least a range. There are some sort of neutral um, sites out there like um, uh, Fair Health, and uh, there's one other one I can't remember off the top of my head. There are several. If you if you Google, um, you know, healthcare prices, you can find some um, resources out there that where again you can put in your zip code and the procedure, and it'll give you a range. Um, so you'll at least have some idea of what you're um, facing. We're fortunate that we have um, one of the services our company offers and that we can make use of ourselves is we have a transparency service where we can call in and say, hey, my doctor wants me to have you know such and such test. Can you give me some options? And we get this report that gives us three different choices that are in network for our plan. And they actually call the doctor and say, okay, what exactly are you asking <laughs> you know, this patient to have done? And I had this done recently for myself. My doctor wanted me to have um, an MRI of my brain, I guess, to see if I actually have one. But anyway. <laughs> I had one um, of those, too. They were checking for that, too. <laughs> <laughs> right. So she referred me to the hospital that happens to own her practice. And, you know, okay, that makes sense. The estimated, the discounted price for the hospital and and by discounted, each insurance company negotiates with hospitals and other providers as to what they'll actually pay. So this was the price that um, my insurance company would pay this hospital for an MRA was $4,800. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There was a standalone um, facility that does MRIs, same exact test, $631. <laughs> there was another standalone facility, four hundred and eighty dollars. Wow! So guess which one I'm going? Yeah, to? <laughs> I think option C. Yeah, exactly. Same exact test. You know, these are all quality providers. It's not, you know, it's not a instance of you get what you pay for. You know, they're all equally good. But, it's, you know, one is 10 times the cost of the other. And, you know, unless you do some research on that, you would never know. So Yeah, that is that is unbelievable. And I mean, such a great example of how you, you still, it's in your best interest, it's in your wallet's best interest to still <laughs> shop around a little bit and, and see, you know, what are the options in your area? Because you can, it can save you a, a ton of money. And I know something that you're also an advocate for, and I think there's a lot of, I guess there's not even a lot of talk about this, but what happens when we get a medical bill in the mail? Most of us just go, okay, this is the price and we just pay it. But you, you, right. you have some advice on kind of pausing a little bit and just making sure everything's correct. So what should we look at when we actually get a bill? Well, absolutely. So first make sure that um, it's a bill and not an explanation of benefits. So when you go to the doctor, the doctor will file um, a claim with the insurance company, and the insurance company will sell, send you something called an explanation of benefits. 
And that will summarize, okay, this is what the charge is. This is what we agreed to pay. And the doctor, you know, if you went in within your network, has agreed to accept as payment. This is what you will owe, if if anything. So you just say, okay, cool. Then you just kind of review that, see if it makes sense, and set it aside. Then you wait, because if, if that bottom line said that you will owe money, then you wait to get the bill from the provider. Right. And you look at them and make sure that they those numbers line up, right? You never want to pay. If you get the bill first, you don't want to pay that until you've gotten the explanation of benefits. Because you want to make sure that the insurer or that your provider actually submitted the claim to all the insurance companies that might be covering you. Certainly for most of your audiences won't be an issue, but for older folks who might also be covered by Medicare, you want to make sure that the provider submitted both to the insurance company and to Medicare. So insurance is covering as much of your bill as possible, right? Yeah. If If you've been in the hospital, right, the chances that there is going to be an error on your bill is shockingly high. (laughs) Um, Our research indicates um, around 50% of bills is going to have a mistake on it. There are some studies that estimate as high as 80%. Oh my gosh. And it it can be something, you know, silly and human error, um, or it could be something fairly serious. So you want to look at the dates um, on the bill to make sure, yeah, I was actually in the hospital during those days. You want to, you know, if the if the amount looks surprisingly high to you, you'll want to ask the hospital for a detailed bill so you can really go over it line by line. And if they say they gave you um, an MRI and a CAT scan and you happen to remember you only got an MRI, you know, you're going to want to note that you didn't get the CAT scan. You don't want to be charged for that. You don't want to be charged for a dozen doses of a medication when you only got two of them, right? Right. You want to note that you were seen by two specialists while you were in there. Well, maybe you only saw one. So you you want to take a look for that kind of thing. There may also be some coding errors, like it may show up that you had uh, a broken arm when you really only had a sprain. That's, you know, just human error. Maybe whoever was doing the coding just, you know, transposed a number or something. So, you know, it's certainly worth it if you've spent any time in the hospital to make sure you get that detailed bill and comb through it. As I said, there's, you know, 50% of them have mistakes on it. And it may only be a couple of dollars or it could be thousands of dollars. That is, yeah. I mean, that has actually happened to me where a bill has been off by a couple of thousands, thousand of dollars. And oh it was goodness. just um, one of those moments like, like, what? How could you be off by this much? And I, if I would have just paid the bill, I would have paid them, of course, a lot more money than I actually owe them. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that dramatic a fashion, but if if you're right if it if it's off by something or even it looks a little suspicious to you or something you don't remember it's certainly worth taking mm-hmm. the time and asking yeah and even if it looks fine it certainly doesn't hurt to ask for that detailed bill and go through it anyway because you may uncover something and m- most facilities are really good about working with you if you know if you identify an error um, they'll work with you. If you get some pushback, you can certainly call your insurance company and explain what the deal is. And they'll often call on your behalf and try and work it out. 
Yeah, yeah, that's so such great information. So tell me a little bit about I know your um work over at Direct Path. Tell me a little about what you guys do. Well, we're I frankly think we're a pretty cool company. <laughs> um we focus on guiding employees to making better healthcare decisions throughout the year. Um the full cycle from, you know, choosing benefits to actually using their benefits. So we offer services, for example, that um, include communications about um, health plans and um, health coverage and health in general. We provide one-on-one enrollment um, and onboarding support. So uh, for companies that, say, have had a recent merger and have a lot of employees coming on board, they need to get enrolled in their benefits mid-year. We help them out with that. We provide assistance with um, managing what we call tax advantage reimbursement accounts, which is a very fancy name for flexible spending accounts, health savings accounts, health reimbursement accounts that typically go, say, with a high deductible health plan. And we also provide transparency and advocacy services that help with that shopping for the best price for care and also can help resolve those claims and billing issues that we were talking about a few minutes ago. So it's a really you know, exciting and rewarding place to work. <laughs> I love it. I love when people are like so excited about a careers, you know, in something like healthcare that most people are like, what, what, what? <laughs> so I love, <laughs> I love that enthusiasm. And I just think it's, it's so great when you have, you know, somebody like that who is just so passionate about, about a subject to really, I mean, it really is a benefit to help people. Absolutely. It, yeah, it's it's nice to know that your work at the end of the day is indeed benefiting, you know, people and not just, you know, the government or a corporation, but everyone. Everyone benefits. Yeah, I love it. Well, Kim, this has been so fantastic. If you could leave us maybe with just one piece of advice or a tip about how we can make smart choices with our healthcare, what would it be? It would be do your research. You know, whether it's looking at your um, the plans that are available to you, um, looking at where is the best place for you to get care when your doctor recommends that you get uh, um, start a medication or have a test or have some sort of procedure done. Look into it. Talk to your doctor. Look at what your options are. As, as, as we talked about earlier, not only will your wallet benefit, but frankly, so will your employers. And the more your employer can save on benefits, the more money will get freed up to maybe add other cool benefits down the line. I love it. That's so great. Well, Kim, thank you so much. Tell the listeners where they can go to connect with you. You can reach me directly at kbucky at directpathhealth.com. And you can also reach us at connect at directpathhealth.com. Thanks so much for checking out this episode and a big thanks to our sponsors that make this show possible. Remember to subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you never miss an episode. But before you leave, I want to empower you to embrace where you are today, the good and the not so good. And remember, nothing lasts forever. Just keep taking small steps every day and remember how awesome you truly are. 